Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And tonight's film is Compliance. And uh, Compliance stars Dreamer Walker, who maybe some of you have seen from Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. But otherwise, this is a completely unknowns kind of cast. I mean, you sort of got a few familiar faces in there. But this is an interesting film. It's based on real events. And we're going to talk about it having already seen it. So spoilers are ahead, be aware. Lloyd, compliance is about a hoax when a fast food chain is called and the manager is uh, forced by someone saying they're a police officer to strip and uh, basically degrade an employee who uh, they're accusing of stealing. Um, How did you find this film? I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Uh, The reason why we watched this film, Dave and I came to it, was because William Friedkin tweeted about this. And William Friedkin, for those of you who don't know, is the director of The Exorcist. Uh, He's one of the best uh, best filmmakers of the 70s. And The Exorcist, of course, is voted time and time again the best horror film of all time so very accomplished filmmaker and his tweet which i follow him on twitter he doesn't actually have too many followers so you got a chance of him actually replying to anyone just like oliver stone is <laughs> replying to everyone who um says anything about him um he said compliance one of the best films i've seen and he actually got thanked by i think the director if you click on it and you see the replies um you do mm-hmm. see uh will um the guy saying thank you very much. I think it was the director or Pat Healy. Oh, he might have Pat been. Pat Healy's one of the actor. Oh, really? Okay, sure. Well, he said to Pat Healy, "Pat, you were pitch perfect in the film. Congratulations." Jeez, it's amazing with this social networking technology. You get to see this interaction. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> feel like we're invi- invading people's conversations a little bit sometimes yeah that's right yeah you can actually see what they were talking about Ooh, let's see the drama here <laughs> yeah so um i i thought compliance was um frustrating annoying um this has received really mixed reviews yeah um, it, it got heaps of walk walkouts at the sundance film festival where it aired and it actually got a lot of positive re- reviews more so than the negative ones but a lot of people were complaining this shouldn't have even been selected because of the violence against women. Um, people were shouting out and stuff like that. So it got a lot of heated arguments. My biggest issue with with it, I think it might be the fault of the director or the screenwriter that I just didn't... It, it was just a hard pill to swallow. I just couldn't believe it went this far. I think as an Australian in particular, we just won't fall for that type of thing. I just can't see that happening. The whole time I was like, like it just makes Americans look look really dumb this film mm. like i i feel like um if like just in terms of the success of this how people can buy it is just like so ridiculous to me and uh, you know it's based on tr- um real events and so forth but surely I-, I call the exaggeration card right away surely that had to have been exaggerated well the text at the end of this film says that 70 incidents were reported in 30 different states across america sure and I found a link to the real article of this, um, which uh, is a couriejournal.com article. Um, I can put the link. I'll tweet the link. How about that? Yeah. You can... Uh, www.podmeifyoucan.com is the link to Lloyd and me on Twitter. I'll tweet this link to the article, um, which will... I suppose I'll do it now, but we won't put out this podcast for another little while. Yes, so. yep. It'll be there when you listen to this, if you look in my Twitter. Um, And the link to the real article is several pages long, and it's just... 
it isn't exaggerated. In fact, the stuff that you see in the film, some of it is worse. And really? What really got me, I mean, this is like a little while ago, we went from being a clean podcast with no swearing to just neutral, not dirty, not clean, but occasionally you're going to get some adult themes and stuff with us. Just be warned, this is uh, a more adult film right here. Yeah. The, um, there's a sequence in the film where the, um, the boyfriend slash, you know, going to be fiance of the manager. Do you remember that guy? Yep. Uh, he had a bit um, to drink as well before he came in. Van, uh, Bill Camp is the actor and he, um, he's left alone with Becky played by Dreamer Walker, the main girl who's the one forced to do star jumps and everything like that. Yep. Um, when they're left alone together, there's this sequence, and I don't know if you remember it, it's when um, it shows the sort of, it cuts to a shot of the fryer, it cuts to her kind of hands on the ground, it cuts to like a series of unsettling shots. Yep. Implying, of course, happened, oral sex. Yes. It was implied, though that is actually what happened. No, yeah, I is, don't believe that at all. What, it said that yeah. on the article? Yeah, it says it in the article. No, it says it. Um, I can't believe like in the that. <laughs> in the film, in the film, he says uh, when the the guy's investigating at the end, he says, which led to a sexual assault, a rape in this case. You know, and that's what that's referring to. I find that insane that somebody, you know, would do that. But I watched this with my wife. Yep. Compliance, and we're both extremely frustrated by watching it by saying the. Um, the way they give away the information. I mean, as a viewer, you know it's a hoax. So you have the sort of upper hand based, you know, on all these characters. And um, it was annoying that they never clarified, for example, how much money she was supposed to have stolen, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought that was really annoying. Like, you would have asked that question. You would have asked to speak to the other manager, yes, I think. Yes, yes. Which was annoying that she never did. Um and I was saying this stuff to my wife that it's frustrating how they're just giving away all this information and stuff. And she said to me, because she has a degree in psychology, she said it's the Milgram experiment. I heard about I that experiment. To, yeah, then I had to look it up. And for those unfamiliar, I'm just going to read you a very generic explanation on the Milgram experiment. The experimenter orders the teacher, the subject of the experiment to give what the latter believes are painful electrical shocks to a learner who is actually an actor. The subject believes that for each wrong answer, the learner is receiving actual electric shocks, though in reality there is no such punishment. The um, learner is obviously acting. Um, being separated from the subject, they're set up with a tape recorder and um, mm. an electroshock generator which plays pre-recorded sounds for each shock level. So the idea is their conscience and everything, their personal beliefs are they don't want to shock another person, but somebody is ordering them to, and that person is in an authority. You know, so the psychology here is that the person calling says they're a police officer. People are going to follow the direction of somebody who, you know, upholds the law. Mm. Otherwise, they're in breach of the law, you know. Um, so it's like a big psychological thing. And there was a film called The Experiment. Have you ever seen that one with Adrian Brody? No, I haven't seen that one. Um, and it's based on a real experiment too where they separated um, 
you know, they had 16 or something, I can't remember the number, people, and they separated them into eight prisoners and eight guards. Oh, that was based on a re- on reality. I've heard about the actual experiment, and the guards went crazy with power. Exactly, and made them do all this crazy stuff, even though they're not really guards, it's just what they're acting in this simulation. It's the the presence of power and, you know, the sort of situation that they're put in that, yeah, yeah. people's real sort of, I guess... Uh, in the concentration camps, the Nazis knew that, and they what they did, they put um, Jewish people in charge, um, g- giving them a higher uh, level of authority, um, and of course, them believing that the more worse that they do, the more they'll be, uh, uh, the more the Nazis will have mercy on them, and they were wor- some of them were worse than the actual Nazis themselves, you know, to each mm. other because they had that level of authority, you know, it's just such a disgusting trait of the human. <laughs> you know the human psych um so with all that in mind um what did you think of the film like did you still f- find it a hard pill to swallow despite um your wife's background in psychology um well that was the thing we we talked about it after having watched it oh okay so watching it i found it annoying i found it frustrating i found it hard to watch and probably for the same reasons as you as like you can't imagine it would go that far i would have i would have been one of the guys that would have walked out and let's say it did happen let's say this is true which the film claims it is and the articles that you've read say it is i think it's the fault of the filmmaker for not making it believable maybe it's a fault of the script but i think one of its biggest faults was when it cut away to the perpetrator and you see him Mm. in his house and everything now that might be interesting but you've lost that um, claustrophobia you've lost that immediacy it's a very difficult thing when you cut away to um, the main characters or the victims and you go to the killer it becomes like or to the um, perpetrator <laughs> uh, becomes yeah. like a different level of film and you lose some of the tension you lose lo- a lot of that edge um, uh, like a good example rear window never cut inside the room of the killer yeah. did it? it it always stayed in the point of view of um I don't want to say Cary Grant, James Stewart. Um, and yep. You've always got that level of tension. And this film really faulted, I felt, when it cut to that. I thought it made it even worse. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, that Definitely. whole sequence. Yeah. Having having seen that guy make a sandwich and mm. um, put in his SIM card and stuff, it, it takes away absolutely any suspense. I think of Phone Booth, how we never see Keith Exactly, exactly. Spot on. Until the very end, yeah. Brilliantly and handled tension. Brilliantly handled. Yep. You know, why? Well done, One of the Joel reasons Schumacher. why, because you never cut away. Yep. Yep, Joel Schumacher victory there, I think. Absolutely. Over um, Craig Zobel, which is the director of um, Compliance. Um, just the fact that Kiefer Sutherland could be anywhere. He might not even have a gun. It could be a prank. You know, um, for a little while, you don't know. Like, that is handled way better and obviously it becomes a real element of danger in phone booth rather than here where it's like at some point they could just turn off yeah phone phone calls over um yeah and i kept thinking the phone never runs out of battery as well which is really dumb (laughs) well it took so long like hours and hours it went from day to night that was frustrating too because of how long they yeah they didn't need to go that long and another fault of it was like maybe they should have 
if, if they should have been much more busier um, with the workplace. Like she, her attention isn't fully there. She's like, yeah, yeah, sure, do whatever. You know, it. I, I don't know. Like, if given to another director, maybe this could have worked. Uh, there was just so many faults with with that level of craftsmanship. I guess. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and yeah, there was a. It was annoying seeing the um, the prankster. I guess the guy pretending to be an officer. Like yeah. you say, it did take away any tension it was frustrating the only um character that had real dialogue like actual like wow that's reality was the the guy who looks sort of homeless um you know he obviously works there as like a cleaner or anything like that and he's like one of the last guys to check up on the girl he goes i'm not going to do any of that who is this you know he's the only guy that speaks sense in the entire film like oh man so frustrating no there's there's the there's the boy, the friend, yes, who the says boy, he's not yes. going to do Yes, he's one any of them of as that. well. You're absolutely right. I forgot. Yeah, but there's also... There's sort of cliched characters all working there at the um, the restaurant. I yeah. don't know. The, it seemed very kind of... could be any restaurant. It had that dumb name, didn't it? Yeah, the Chick Witch or something like that. Chick, Chick Witch, that's it. Uh, uh, yeah, they were saying didn't want to say mcdonald's kfc whatever so (laughs) which is fair enough um the girl who played the store owner despite being a bad script she was really good i think her name's ann dowd dowd i think dowd or something like that yeah she she was great great opening when she um is telling him about the bacon and the guy goes you're screwed without bacon i thought that was a great line um and a really good opening i thought oh cool we get to see the mechanics of a like how a manager operates a fast food store you know (laughs) yeah well i mean uh, that the how the manager operates a fast food store i didn't find particularly interesting no you don't like that (laughs) <laughs> she she was I mean you can just go into any McDonald's and see <laughs> but um, the uh, the thing I found interesting was you you're supposed to feel sympathy for her you know because she in the aftermath of all of this and you sort of do because she's a victim as well as she's saying at the end of the interview but as well she's very gullible she's very you know um, frustrating as a character because yeah. she doesn't do the right thing you know um, but at the end like how real it was that she sort of talks about the weather and stuff you know like oh at the very end where she's being interviewed yeah that was fantastic sort of, that was really good yeah so she was really interesting really watchable how did you find the main uh, actress Dreamer Walker yeah she was great um, she, she was um, pretty solid again no fault of the actors here I think it was just um, well you'd be good at picking picking this did you think she was good well, I have seen Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. It's this um, recently cancelled show she was on um, where she plays the, the lead in that. And it's a comedy, so she's sort of more slapsticky and jokey. So if you've seen that film, uh, that show, sorry, and then you watch this film, that's kind of a problem because she's very jokey and oh, whatever. Oh, okay, but sure. I think she did a good job being the victim. I just think they probably thought this film was going to be like Hostel or something like a huge hit. Yeah. You know, but whereas it didn't really quite come together, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you feel the same way with this film. Like, I think it could have went two ways. You could have went with it and thought this is one of the most brilliant studies of hu- the human psych, but um, I think me and you both agree. I think the fault of it is just the way it was done. It was just... Because of it, we we both found it unbelievable. I think it's a fault of the director and the screenwriter um, 
to begin with, just not being able to build that tension and that believability. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel like a dream role for any young actress to do this lead role, you know, doing naked star jumps and stuff. It's just an uncomfortable kind of environment to be in. And it's... I feel like it's a good story to tell. It's a good warning for people, like, for future hoaxes and things like that. The thing that I found about this film is watching it, I hated it. And I was very much in your boat. And I was just like, oh, these people are so stupid. And... (laughs) Things like super creepy lines where the officer, inverted commas, where the officer's saying, how big are her nipples? Is she shaved? You know, things like that, where they're like responding to those kind of questions. Like, it's, I mean, I know at that point, Van or Evan or whatever his name is had had a bit to drink, you know, but at some point as the main victim, I feel like the girl would have said, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) You know? At some point, like during the hours of being nude, wearing nothing but an apron. Absolutely, um, she, she doesn't need she to go to the have much to eat time. or anything like that. They were uh, just so frustrating. Yeah, and I feel like at some point she would have said, "You know what? Let's just go to the police station or whatever and just leave." I would have asked for a badge. I go, oh, "Sorry, can I just speak to your superior officer? I, I think you're being out of line." You know, all these things just come to my mind. You know, just. Uh, or you would have talked to... You know how he's saying he's talking to the other manager, the main manager? I would have done immediately, like, oh, can I just talk to him for a second? You know, I would have said that right away. And he would have... You know, the mm. whole hoax would have been destroyed. Yeah. And I mean, what's... The thing is, when you see that uh, implication of oral sex during the film, and um, I, I think it's a good idea that they left out the lead up to that because yeah. I feel like that would have been the biggest leap for an audience to take yeah. to say you know what how is this relevant and you know how is she not putting up a fight for this and stuff um, you know just the the way that would degrade a person and everything obviously it did happen which is the, the weirdest thing of all Yeah. so one of the things that I found really interesting about this article which I will tweet um, was that there's a few pictures with the article. And um, some of the pictures are, well, they're surveillance photos. Yeah, from, uh, right. Like the, like the storerooms and stuff. What, from, that's actually in the article, like shots. Yeah, there's a couple, yeah. Screenshots and, um, of the um, camera footage. That's freaky. Yeah, and I was, I was just going to say, the um, the manager on the phone looks like she may sort of resemble... it's. You know, sort of the angle where you can't really see their face. It's sort of an elevated angle. But you can sort of see that with casting in this film, they've tried to go for, you know, um, accuracy and and how it really was. I mean, it's a a frustrating thing that's happened. And so I guess the translation from real events to film here is the most difficult thing because, yeah, this is something that you can't imagine has happened. But, I mean, I never heard of it. No, me either. Me either. That's really so, interesting. Wow, I can't wait to read the article. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll enjoy it. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a long one, but I mean, it's just... Yeah, I'm just um, looking to see what year it was on the article. Oh, so this film came out 2012. Um, uh, got a limited release in America in August 2012. Just, yeah, 2004, just so 2004 was... 2004 was the article. Um, All right. It's from um, 
Yeah, just um, written by Andrew Wolfson. So yeah. Okay. It, yeah, but the events and stuff happened in 2004. It's um, the person called themselves Officer Scott. Yeah, it's uh, look, it's that stuff that uh, the oral sex and stuff. Immediately watching it, that's where my head went. I think that's what was implied. Yeah. And I thought, is that is that really what's happening? And then I felt the need to go out and seek more information about it all because I thought this is haunting. If this actually happened, yeah. Like. Is that what happened? You know, because it sort of leaves it a little open-ended. They say a rape sort of thing and don't exactly sort of specify. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, it's what they didn't show. We've, we talked about this a lot on Pod Me If You Can, but it's sort of what was happening off camera that it can be as horrible as you yeah. make it, you know, in your mind. Um, yeah, well, I'm just, glad you had a, a really deep effect at that moment because... I know this sounds awful to say, but I thought it was comical at that point because I just couldn't believe it. I went, oh, come. I literally went, oh, come on. Like that. And I went, oh, you're going to go there. Like I had those one of those reactions um, to, at that mm. point. I'm glad you had a much more, you know, uh, mature sort of reaction to that and had to look into it sort of thing because I just found the whole thing unbelievable. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I mean... It's it's impossible to know how you will react in a situation until you yeah no that's are in true that situation you know yeah yeah I mean it's you got to think that the girl in this situation that this is based on would have some kind of self esteem issues mm. or you know there would be something that would make her think it was not a big deal that she would perform oral sex on this person so I mean there's there's more to this than we get to know but yeah. Um, I wrote this down, and I'll just read it out. After they find out everything, we see a shot of a, of a real cop driving to them with the camera attached to the door of the car. That's a cool shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he then, But then he leaves the door open. It's to get a better shot of him, like, walking in. You know what I mean? One of the biggest myths of all American movies, I think more all movies in general, is when they park their car, they don't unlock it. They just close the door and they just walk straight up. It's just like, wow, didn't, aren't you going to wind down your window? Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's like it's a long shot of him driving. Like, they sort of just stay with him for a long time. Yeah. And I was trying to think why the director, Craig Zobel, would... Or Zobel, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Um, why why would he even put that in? Mm. And I was sort of thinking... That lingering, unnecessary shot. I mean, I guess it's to, it's meant to um, let us soak in what's happened. Yeah, exactly. You know, right after this. But it's not like we, the audience, didn't know what was happening. Yeah. It's not like it's a big twist for us. We knew. We saw both sides of the phone conversation. Yep. You know, um, we don't need that long to process it because we have more information than the characters in the film, That's which is always very dangerous. True. Yeah always dangerous with these kinds of films because uh we talked about Django last week um but there's a bit in Django where and it doesn't spoil anything Samuel Jackson is explaining to Leonardo DiCaprio he's saying this is what's going on and explaining it to him but we the audience already know yeah you know what's going on so he's just informing another character of things that we already know and that feels like a bit of a waste of screen time you know We've seen it's a hoax. We know the guy is um, at home 
you know, calling them from phone cards and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's not news, it's not a twist, you know, I guess that lingering shot, even if you thought it was cool, the car door attached camera... Wasn't necessary? It didn't, it didn't have a purpose. It yeah. was just a shot that stretched out the movie. I felt like this almost could have been a short film. Yeah, like no, a 30- yeah, absolutely. It could have been. It probably would have worked in its strength. <laughs> yeah, yeah and the movie's only of- ninety minutes long as well. Like maybe it could have been seventy minutes and been much more powerful. Yeah, there was a little bit of wasted time. But what did you think of the, um, the the real twist? I think, which is that the guy calling was like a family man. He was like a guy with a job. He's a telemarketer, and he's got like a kid. I think it was a daughter. Yeah, from memory, and um, I think that was the real twist was that how they humanized him. Yeah, and that would have been a dead accurate rendition of the the actual perpetrators. I think like it just seems like it just follows suit of serial killers, like like Seven sort of thing. Like they're almost like these everyday family people, um, yeah. and they just have this really dark side that's underneath. And yeah, like um, when they humanized him, absolutely, you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like that was the big twist, is sort of showing us this person who... Yeah, um, and according to Wikipedia, um, they, the article is called The Strip Search Prank Call Scam, if you're looking for it. Um, over 70 such occurrences... <coughs> pardon me. ...were uh, reported, and um, they finally led to the arrest and charging of David Stewart, a 37-year-old employee of Corrections Corporations of America. On October 31st, 2006, he was acquitted of all charges in the case, though he is suspected of making other calls as well. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, not only do we watch a sort of dramatization of these uncomfortable crimes that are all reported, but if you look up the information, you find out that the guy who was arrested and charged of this, and he's still suspected of making other calls, didn't spend any time in prison and was acquitted of all charges. It was, Ryan. yeah, wow, amazing, that's scary. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I think, though, I hated the film while watching it. What for me happened was after looking it up, I found it more haunting and more interesting, based on like reading all the real stuff. And so, if you if you're interested, um, listeners and Lloyd, I'll I'll tweet the article and you guys can. Um, be the judges for yourself and obviously there's more to find on this film well that's one of the film's best only strength i think is that the fact that it highlights this issue and it brings it to a universal attention like you know so like as you said a warning you know um that this stuff happens out there you know and be careful and so forth yeah it's 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 frustrating because you think i'm sure all viewers think this would never happen to them but if if it happened to 70 people you know, that's a percentage of however many people. I don't 70 know. Seventy American people, bear in mind. <laughs> yes, sure. Hello to our American listeners, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love America. I've been over there. Americans are fantastic. That's I, and one of the biggest problems I had with this film. I just can't believe it happened. You know, and I think this film really puts down Americans. Like you know, that 
just with the actions the actors take and everything like that um you're just like really would that happen you know the whole time but we're not the only ones who felt this way this film had a huge amount of walkouts a lot of the reviews i read oh, the cinema i was in a whole bunch of people walked out and i think it's because it's the same reaction as us like it's oh come on and we were just left <laughs> like if it wasn't for this podcast i wouldn't have made it through the film hmm yeah, but good to good to have a chat about it though. I think. Yeah, no, and, um, absolutely. It's it's brought up some really interesting um, things. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this leads us into our new segment on Podme, if you can. And um, here is the opener. What should I watch, Lloyd? So, Lloyd, this one is. Uh, yours this week and yeah. um, what it- um well i haven't been watching too many movies um because i've been watching a lot of tv shows and one of the ones that has absolutely got me and i'm a very late um audience member of this thing it's uh, called community um by dan Harmon. Definitely. i think he's the original creator yep created by dan Harmon. correct yeah i'm up to date i'm up to episode two i think of season four i think we're up to and i think this this tv series is fantastic i've seen each episode at least three times like it's i think it's that good um it's very yeah, meta, i mean for very, a long time you know a lot a very intelligent show like it uh, has great stories but it also weaves in um pop culture references not like family guy which relies heavily on just pop culture references like that's its drive for humor um this tv series like has character has stories has a narrative in each episode and it weaves in and out of the humor really well like sort of reminds me of the seasons one to nine of the simpsons like i think it's that good like um and i'm pretty disappointed to hear that um the main creators left and chevy chase has left so i don't know what's going to happen with it but i mean i think that's one of those things this is a show about it and i I love the show too i'll just put it on the record and i was one of the people telling you to watch it lloyd yeah you were one of them like i think dave was one of the people just calling me up going oh dude have you seen the show um community i'm like oh no like oh look i'll I'll, I'll lend you season one right now just you just have to watch it like the people talk to me with that much passion about it you know so i was like i finally get around to seeing it yes pardon the pun but there is a big community of watchers for the show (laughs) and online there's a big support and i think it's the kind of show where they're all going to a community college viewers of the show will be aware and it's the kind of show that people have to graduate and leave the show and that's what we're going to see in season four i'm sure um i saw a little bit on uh, nbc today where um shirley um the actress who plays shirley uh was on there and she was talking about how some people are going to graduate and some people aren't and um Obviously, Chevy Chase has made no secret of the fact that he doesn't want to be on the show anymore. And yeah, uh, whether or not it's he graduates, Chevy or Chase, he's such a Goliath back in his day. The uh, he was one of the beginners of Saturday Night Live. He was part of the crew with Steve Martin and so forth. Um, and he made Titan films like uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, uh, Three Amigos, and so forth. Like he's a colossus back in his day. And I think all the cast and crew respect him um in a community but the character he's been given isn't is is taking a real big hit on his pride i think um and he's had a lot of issues with it he's had a huge falling out with dan Harmon. um it's i've only read trickles of it on the internet like they've had a really big back and forth like stories like he's in his trailer and they have to wait all day for him to come out 
and um, they'll do one shot with him and then, you know, and it's back and forth like that. He's very difficult to work with. Chevy Chase doesn't need community at all. He's got his this huge franchise. I'm sure he's very wealthy. But um, at yep. the same time, I think his role as Pierce is phenomenal. I think his his timings, just how he stutters and moves around, I don't think anyone else in the world can do that. And the fact that many people dislike Pierce, or they, it's like a love-hate relationship, I think that's a credit to his acting. I think Chevy Chase is that good. You know, I think the show hinges on Arbed. If you can't accept Arbed, who's this film student, um, and you can't sort of go with his weirdness then you probably won't like the show. That's a really good point. Um, Have you met anyone who dislike Community? You know, not in my circle of friends. Nobody said to me Community sucks, but (laughs) I'm sure there are people out there. If people aren't watching it in America, there must be, you know, a bunch of people. If there's a reason that it may be cancelled and stuff, then, you know, its ratings can't be that great. I heard um, um, the ratings that whatever rating system they use has been returning not very well for community but they know it's a really popular show because most people who watch community that like that target market audience uh most most of them download it so it doesn't come up as you know uh, a thing that you know it doesn't come up high on the ratings but they do know a lot of people watch this show i think the trick is trying to find a way to get it out there as quick as possible maybe they should stream every episode and then Mm. regulate the ratings on that i think the show will do absolutely phenomenal because they know it's a huge cultural icon it's everywhere people talk about it almost as much as the simpsons you know but it's just not getting the ratings in terms of the standard rating system that they use well i think the uh, the thing we're going to see is after season four when it all airs we'll find out which characters are gone and which are remaining and then i think as they bring in new characters it'll become more of a diluted community um diluted program and whether or not it stays on the air will depend on who they bring in and who leaves basically that's a really good point will it survive the loss of dan Harmon? will it survive the loss of chevy chase because from what i hear he's already left and um i've seen the first two episodes of season four and he's still in it so i I was just under the impression he wasn't in season four but i guess he left halfway or towards the end Mm. or something We'll have to watch and see. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just want to say one of my favourite episodes on season three was there was a video game episode all done in 8-bit. And it's just so daring to do a whole episode where it's all in 8-bit. Like, it looks like a Super Mario Brothers game, like we're talking Nintendo days. Um, Like, it just narrows down that audience even more. Like, it just gives it such a niche. I'm just shocked at such as TV show is so prominent, you know, with that type of, um, that, those type of episodes. I guess It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I think, has got a very particular sense of humour, yet it's gone on to nine seasons, you know, or eight seasons yeah. or whatever. So, you know, <laughs> there's got to be room crossed. for community. Sorry? Fingers crossed for community for more seasons Absolutely. As well. Good luck to them. Six seasons in a movie, hashtag, as they say. Yeah, exactly. And, um... For me, the paintball episodes are really good. Oh, fantastic. I won't spoil anything. And there's also, there's a claymation Christmas one, which is, you know, really unique as well. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah, very good. Community. I'm glad that you're on board with that one. Yeah, and they did that Law and Order Order episode. Uh, Yeah, it looked exactly like a Law and Order episode. It was phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lloyd, good to talk to you. That will be it for Podme If You Can. I'll tweet that article about compliance and um i'm not sure what the next episode will be but um 
bear with us and uh, keep listening to Podme if you can. All the old episodes, this is episode 52, Compliance. All the uh, previous 51 episodes you can find at www.podmeifyoucan.com. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks, guys. All the best. <laughs>